Chapter Fifteen of With Clive in India. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Gary Ullman. Chapter Fifteen: The Pirates' Hold. Sivaji, the founder of the Maharatta Empire, had in sixteen sixty-two seized and fortified Yajadrug, or as the English call it, Garia a town on the mouth of the river Kanue, one hundred and seventy miles south of Bombay, and also the island of Suwandrug, about halfway between Garia and Bombay. Here he established a piratical fleet. Fifty years later, Kanhagi Angria, the commander of the Maharati fleet, broke off this connection with the successors of Sivaji and set up as a pirate on his own account. Kanhagi not only plundered the native vessels, but boldly preyed upon the commerce of the European settlements. The ships of the East India Company, the French Company, and the Dutch were frequently captured by these pirates. Tulagi Angria, who succeeded his father, was even bolder and more successful, and when the man-of-war brig, the Restoration, with twenty guns and two hundred men, was fitted out to attack him, he defeated and captured her. After this, he attacked and captured the French man-of-war Jupiter with forty guns and had even the insolence to assail an English convoy guarded by two men-of-war, the Vigilant of sixty-four guns and the Ruby of fifty. The Dutch, in 1735, sent a fleet of seven ships of war, two bomb vessels, and a strong body of troops against Jurea. The attack was, however, repulsed with considerable loss. From that date, the pirates grew bolder and bolder, and were a perfect scourge to the commerce of western India. Charlie Marriott had, of course, frequently heard of the doings of these noted pirates, and the cry of Tulagi Angria at once explained to him the terror of the master and crew. What is it, Mr. Charles? What on earth is the botheration about? Is it the little ships they are feared of? Those ships belong to a pirate called Tulagi Angria, Charlie said, and I am very much afraid, Tim, that we are likely to see the inside of his fortress. But sure, your honor, we're not afeard of those four little boats. We are, Tim, and very much afraid. Each of those boats, as you call them, carries four or five times as many men as this ship, and they are well armed, while we have only those two little guns which are useless except for show if the crew were englishmen we might attempt a defence although even then the odds would be terribly against us but with these natives it is hopeless to think of it and the attempt would only ensure our throats being cut it was clear that the idea of resistance did never even enter the minds of the crew of the trader some ran to and fro with gesticulations and cries of despair some threw themselves upon the deck of the vessel tore their hair and rolled as if in convulsions some sat down quietly with the air of a pathetic resignation with which the natives of india are used to meet what they consider the inevitable hossein who at the first alarm had bounded to his feet with his hand on his knife subsided into an attitude of indifference when he saw that charlie did not intend making any defence it's mighty lucky tim said that your honour left all your presents to be forwarded to madras i thought you were wrong mr charles when you advised me to send them 
thousand rupees the rajah gave me along with your money a hundred pounds wasn't the sum that tim kelly was likely to handle again in a hurry and it went again the grain with me to part with them out of my hand sure and as well i took your honor's advice the four sepoy officers also exchanged a few words with charlie they too would have resisted had he given the word hopeless though the effort would have been but they acquiesced at once in his decision they had little to lose but the thought of a prolonged captivity and of being obliged perhaps to enter the service of the mahratta freebooters just when about to return to their wives and families at madras was a terrible blow to them keep up your spirits charlie said it is a bad business but we must hope for the best if we bide our time we may see some chance of escape you had better lay down your arms in a pile here then we will sit down quietly and await their coming on board they will be here in a minute now scarcely had the seven passengers taken their seats in a group on the poop when the freebooters ranged alongside and swarmed over the sides of the deck beyond bestowing a few kicks upon the crew they paid no attention whatever to them but tore off the hatches and at once proceeded to investigate the contents of the hole. The greater portion of this considered of native grain, but there were several bales of merchandise concerned by traders at Calicut for Ceylon. The cargo was, in fact, rather more valuable than that generally found in a native coaster, and the pirates were satisfied. The leader of the party, leaving to his followers the task of examining the hole, walked towards the group on the poop, they rose as he approached. Who are you? The Mahratta asked. I am an officer in the English company's service, Charlie said, as are these five natives. The other Englishman is a soldier under my orders. Good, the Mahratta said emphatically. Tulagi and Giria will be glad to have you. When your people capture any of our men, which is not office, they hang them. Tulaji is glad to have people he can hang to. After being stripped of any small valuables on their persons, the captives were taken on board one of the pirate boats. A score of the Mahrattas remained in charge of the trader. Her head was turned north, and accompanied by the four Mahratta boats, she proceeded up the coast again. Another trader was captured on the way, but two others evaded the pirates by running into the port of Calicut. The trader was a slow sailor, and they were eight days before they approached Giria. Early in the morning, a heavy cannonade was heard in the distance, causing the greatest excitement of guns among the Mahrattas. Every sail was hoisted, the sweeps got out, and leaving the trader to jog along in their rear, the four light craft made their way rapidly along the coast. The firing became heavier and heavier and as it became light three large ships could be seen about two miles ahead surrounded by a host of smaller craft that's a big fight mr charles tim explains it reminds me of three big bulls in a meadow attacked by a host of little curs it does tim but the curs can bite what a fire they are keeping up but those warships ought to thrash any number of them count the ports i can see them now the biggest one tim said has got twenty-five yes and the other eighteen and nine these are two frigates one of fifty and the other of thirty-six guns and a sloop of eighteen 
I can't make out the colors, but I don't think they're English. They're not English, Your Honor, Tim said confidently, or they would soon make an end of them varmint that tormented them. The scene as the boats approached was very exciting. The three ships were pouring their broadships without intermissions into the pirate fleet. This consisted of vessels of all sizes from the Jupiter and Restoration down to the large rowing galleys. Although many were sunk and more greatly damaged by the fire of the Dutch, they swarmed round the great ships with wonderful tenacity, and while the larger vessels fought their guns against those of the men-of-war, the smaller ones kept close to them, avoiding as much as possible their formidable broadsides, but keeping up a perpetual musketry fire at their bulwarks and tops, throwing stink-pox and shooting burning arrows through the ports and getting alongside under the muzzles of the gun and trying to climb up into the ports. The four newly arrived craft joined in the fray. This is mighty unpleasant, Your Honor, Tim said, as as a shot from one of the Dutch men-of-war struck the craft they were in, crashing a hole through her bulwarks, and laying five or six of her crew upon the deck, killed or wounded by the splinters. Here we are in the middle of a fight in which we we've no concern whatever, and which is carried on without asking our will or pleasure, and we are as likely to be killed by a Christian shot as these heathen niggers. Hear them yell, Your Honor. A faction fight, nothing to it. Look, Your Honor, look. There's smoke curling up from a hatchway of the big ship. If they haven't set her afire. It was, as Tim said, a cloud of black smoke was rising from the Dutch 50-gun frigate. A wild yell of triumph broke from the Marauders. The fire of their guns upon her redoubled, while that from the man-of-war died away as the crew were called off to assist in extinguishing the fire. Now the smaller boats pressed still more closely round her, and a rain of missiles was poured through the open ports. Several times the marauders climbed on board, but each time were driven out again. The smoke rose thicker and thicker, and tongues of flame could be seen shooting up. She is doomed, Charlie exclaimed, even if unmolested the crew did not extinguish the fire now. It has got too much hold. Ah, the other frigate is on fire now. Fresh yells of triumph rose from the Mahrattas. On board the sloop every sail was hoisted, in spite of the continued fire of muskets and arrows, which killed many of the sailors employed. The Jupiter, however, ran alongside her and grappled with her and a furious combat could be seen proceeding on the decks meanwhile its flames mounted higher and higher on board the two frigates the crew now could be seen leaping overboard from the ports choosing any death rather than fire it was but a choice many were drowned the rest cut down and shot by the marauders down came the dutch flag fluttering from the masthead of the sloop and the wild Marauder yet proclaimed that the victory was everywhere complete. The frigates were now a sheet of flame, and the Marauder craft drew away from them until, with two tremendous explosions, their magazines blew up and they sunk beneath the waters. I should scarcely have believed it possible, Charlie said, that three fine ships of war mounting a hundred and four guns could be destroyed by a fleet of pirates however numerous well tim there is no doubt 
that these natives can fight when well led it is just as well as you see that we did not attempt to offer any resistance in that clumsy craft we were on board you're right there your honor they would have eaten us up in five minutes it makes my heart bleed to think of the sailors in those two fine ships i don't believe that a soul has escaped but in the small ones some may have been taken prisoners when the fight was over the craft in which where the captives ran alongside the flagship of the pirate leader and the captain reported to him the capture he had made fortunately tulagi angria was in a high state of delight at the victory he had just won and instead of ordering them to be instantly executed he told the captain to take them on to suwandrug and to imprison them there until his arrival he himself with the rest of his fleet and the captured dutch sloop sailed in garia and the craft in which charlie and his companions were imprisoned continued her course to the island stronghold of the pirates suwandrug was built on a rocky island it lay within gunshot of the shore here when kanhagi angria had first revolted from the authority of the Mahratta kingdom, the ruler of the Deccan had caused three strong forts to be built in order to reduce the island fort. The pirates, however, had taken the initiative and had captured these forts as well as the whole line of sea coast, a hundred and twenty miles in length of the country behind, twenty or thirty miles broad, extending to the foot of the mountains. On their arrival at Suwandrug, the prisoners were handed over to the governor and were imprisoned in one of the casements of the fort the next day they were taken out in order to work and for weeks they labored at the fortifications with which the pirate was strengthening their already natural strong position the labor was very severe but it was a consolation to the captives that they were kept together by Charlie's advice, they exerted themselves to the utmost, and thus succeeded in pleasing their masters and in escaping with but a small share of the blows, which were liberally distributed among other prisoners, native and European, employed upon the work. Charlie, indeed, was appointed as a sort of overseer, having under him not only his own party, but thirty others, of whom twenty were natives, and ten English sailors who had been captured in a merchantman. Although closely watched, he was able to cheer these men by giving them a hope that a chance of escape from their captivity might shortly arrive. All expressed their readiness to run any risk to regain their liberty. From what he heard the pirates say, Charlie learned that they were expecting an attack from an expedition which was preparing at Bombay. The English sailor were combined in a casement adjoining that occupied by Charlie and his companions. The guard kept over them was but nominal, as it was considered impossible that they could escape from the island, off which lay a large fleet of the pirate vessels. One morning, upon starting to work, they perceived by the stir in the fortress that something unusual was taking place, and presently, on reaching the rampart, they saw in the distance a small squadron approaching they could make out that it consisted of a ship of forty-four guns one of sixteen and two bomb vessels together with a fleet of native craft the pirate fleet was all getting up sail it's a bold thing tim to attack this fortress with only two ships when the pirates have lately beaten a dutch squadron mounting double the number of guns 
ay your honour but then there is the union jack floating at the masthead do you think the creatures don't know the differ but the dutchmen are good sailors and fought well tim i think the difference is that in the last case they attacked the dutch while in the present we are attacking them it makes all the difference in the world with indians let them attack you and they'll fight bravely enough go right at them and they're done for look the pirate fleet are already sailing away and do you think the english will take the fort your honor i don't know tim the place is tremendously strong and built on a rock there are guns which bear right down on the ships if they venture in close while theirs would do but little damage to these solidly built walls Suwandrug ought to resist a fleet ten times as strong as that before us sure then your honor and we will have to remain here all our lives do you think no tim i hope not besides i think that we ought to be able to render some assistance to them and how will we do it your honor you have but to spake the word and tim kelly is ready to go through fire and water and so is hossein ye may be sure of that seeing that the pirates were now mustering round their guns and that the ships were ranging up for action charlie thought it prudent to retire hitherto no attention had been paid to them but it was probable enough that when the pirates blood became heated by the fight they would vent their fury upon their captives he therefore advised not only the native officers but the sailors to retire to their casements which as the guns placed in them did not command the position taken up by the ships were at present untenable by any of the garrison presently the noise of guns proclaimed that the engagement had begun the boom of the cannon of the ships was answered by an incessant fire from the far more numerous artillery of the fortress while now and then a heavy explosion close at hand told of the bursting of the bombs from the mortar vessel in the fortress charlie had been thinking of the best measures to be taken to aid his friends even ever since the squadron came in sight and after sitting quietly for half an hour he called his officers around him i am convinced he said that if unaided from within the ships will have no chance whatever of taking this fortress but i think we may help them the upper fort which contains the magazine commands the whole of the interior but its guns do not bear upon the ships where they are anchored probably the place at present is almost deserted as no one pays any attention to us i propose with tim kelly and the ten english sailors to seize it we can close the gate and discharge the guns upon the defenders of the sea face we could not of course defended for five minutes if they attacked us but we were threatened to blow up the magazines if they did so i propose that tomorrow morning you four and hossein should strip to your loincloths and just before it becomes light go along the walls and stop up with pieces of wood the touch holes of as many of the cannon as you can it would not do to use nails even if we had them no one will notice in the dark that you are not marauders and if you scatter about you may each manage to close up four or five guns at least it is i know a desperate service and if discovered you will be instantly killed but if it succeeds the pirates scared by discovering just as our ships open fire that a number of their guns are disabled while we take them in the rear from the fort behind may not improbably 
surrender at once at any rate it's worth trying and i for one would rather run the risk of being killed than be condemned to pass my life the slave of these pirates who may at any moment cut our throats in case of any reverse happening to them the four native officers at once stated their willingness to join in the plan hossein did not consider any reply necessary with him was a matter of course to do whatever charlie suggested the latter then went into the next casement and unfolded his plan to the sailors who hardly agreed to make an effort for their liberty the fire continued all day unabated and at nightfall when a man as usual brought the captives food he exultingly told them that no damage whatever had been effected by the guns of the fleet in the evening the party cut a number of pieces of wood these measuring by the cannon and the casemate they made of, of just sufficient size and length to push down with a slight effort through the touch hole when pushed down to their full length they touched the interior of the cannon below and were just level with the top of the touch hole thus it would be next to impossible to extricate them in a hurry they might indeed be broken and forced in by a solid punch of the same size as the touch hole but this would take time and would not be likely to occur on the moment to the pirates the skewers for this is what they resembled were very strong and tough being made of slips of bamboo the prisoners had all knives which they used for cutting their food with these the work was accomplished towards morning the five natives with the skewers hidden away in their loincloths and their turbans twisted in Maratha fashion stole out from the casements charlie had ordered that in case they should see that the ships had drawn off from the position they occupied on the preceding day they should return without attempting to carry out their tasks he himself with tim joined the sailors and first ascending the ramparts and seeing that the ships were still at anchor abreast of the fort he and his comrades strolled across the interior of the fort in the direction of the magazine they did not keep together nor did all move directly towards the position which they wished to gain the place was already astir large numbers of the pirates thronged the interior groups were squatted around fires busy in cooking their breakfast numbers were coming from the magazine with powder to fill up the small magazines on the wall others again were carrying shot from the pyramids of missiles piled up here and there in the courtyard none paid any attention to the english prisoners presently a dull boom was heard there was a whistling sound and with a thud followed by a loud explosion a bomb fell and burst in the open space this was the signal for action the pirates in a moment hurried down to the bastions overlooking the sea and the Englishmen gathered in a group near the entrance to the magazine. Beside their knives they had no arms, but each had picked up two or three heavy stones. A minute after the explosion of the shell, the cannonade of the ships broke out. It was answered by only a few guns from the fortress, and yells of astonishment and rage were heard to arise. A moment later, five natives ran up to the group of Englishmen. Their work had been well done, and more than three-fourths of the gun on the sea face had been rendered temporarily useless charlie gave the word and with a rush they entered the upper fort there were but two or three men there who were just hurrying out with their bags of powder these before they realized the position were instantly knocked down and bound the gate of the fort was then shut and barred 
and the party ran up to the bastion above not a single pirate was to be seen there the six guns which stood there were at once loaded with grape and a heavy discharge was poured into the crowded masses of pirates upon the bastions on the sea face these already greatly disturbed at finding that most of their guns had in some way been rendered useless were panic-stricken at this sudden and an unexpected attack from the rear many of them broke from their guns and fled to shelter others endeavored to turn their cannon to bear upon the magazine the wildest confusion raged at last some of their leaders rallied the men and with yells of fury a rush was made towards the magazines they were received with another discharge of grape which took terrible effect many recoiled but their leaders shouting to them that the guns were discharged and that there were but a dozen men there led them on again charlie leaped upon the edge of the parapet and shouted if you attack us we will blow up the magazines i have but to lift my hand and the magazine will be fired the boldest of the assailants was paralyzed by the threat confusion reigned throughout the fortress the fleet kept up their fire with great vigor judging by the feebleness of the reply that something unusual must be happening within the walls the gunners disheartened by finding their pieces useless and unable to extract the wooden plugs while charlie's men continued to ply them with grape left their guns and with the greater portion of the garrison disorganized and panic-stricken retired into shelter a shell from the ships falling on to a thatched building set it on fire the flames rapidly spread and soon all the small huts occupied by the garrison were in flames the explosion of a magazine added to the terror of the garrison and the greater portion of them with the women and children ran down to the water and taking boats attempted to cross to fort goa on the mainland they were however cut off by the english boats and captured commodore james who commanded the squadron now directed his fire at fort goa which was being feebly attacked on the land side by a mahratta force which had been landed from the mahratta fleet accompanying the english ships a few miles down the coast the fort shortly surrendered but while the mahrattas were marching to take possession the governor with some of his best men took boat and crossed over to the island of which although the fire had ceased after the explosion of the magazine the english had not taken possession the fire from its guns again opened and as commodore james thought it probable that the pirates would in the night endeavor to throw in large reinforcements he determined to carry it by storm the ships opened fire upon the walls and under cover of this half the seamen were landed those ran up to the gate and thundered at it with their axes charlie and his companions aided the movement by again opening a heavy fire of grape upon the guns which bore upon the sally port and when the gates were forced the garrison utterly dispirited by the cross-fire to which they were subjected at once laid down their arms End of chapter fifteen